0: Many minds are convinced they should be led. I've gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn you went. Taking your right to self-defense, they say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real help, to pay. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned
1: Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course, I also want to extend not just a fantastic day, but a wonderful, blessed, Merry Christmas season. Whether you celebrate it or not, hopefully you're still enjoying the time and... Enjoying some of the festivities just the same. I mean, there's lots of things to to feel good about when it comes to Christmas. You know, the lights, the decorations. Uh, You know, uh, try not being offended by something that's not your own. And and try maybe, I don't know, a little mm, cultural exchange with uh, finding something positive in it that you can like. All right, I know most of the people listening to this show really don't need that conversation. But just in case, just in case, keep that in mind. All right, of course, with you as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, And I am coming to you from historic and beautiful Roan County, Tennessee. And I'm so very happy to be here with you. Uh, Whether you're listening uh, to the podcast or whether you're listening to the show being rebroadcast on great radio stations across the country, thank you so much for being here. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. Let's jump in, shall we? We've got a a lot of stuff to try to cover, not a lot of time to get there, so let's begin with a little cultural news, shall we? Obviously, I've gotten in the habit of trying to just sneak in some quick hits right off the top and then easing into the primary stories, and we're going to do the same thing today. Uh, Time of the live broadcast, just in case you needed to know, Uh, you know, if you're listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio... Just as an example, the uh, time of the broadcast is December 21st, 2021. We are just a few short days away from Christmas. Woohoo! All right, anyway. Right now, there's a prequel to the television show Yellowstone. Now, I know a lot of you guys out there have been watching Yellowstone. I know a lot of you guys have enjoyed the show. Uh, everybody talks about it. Kevin Costner stars in it. I've seen the previews, and I've kind of been in that position where I've thought about starting to watch it going in and, and, you know, doing the whole binging thing to try to get caught up with it and see what it's all about at the very least. Have to admit, though, I may be one of like six people on the whole planet that hasn't watched an episode of Yellowstone. Well, there's a a prequel to Yellowstone that's out now. It's called 1883. The, uh, The whole point of this show is to go way back to the beginning uh, to show how things started for the ranch and and the whole nine yards, you know, everything going on in Yellowstone. And, uh, you know, it's it's already getting a lot of buzz itself. It's on Paramount Network. If you uh, aren't familiar with it, that's streaming service from CBS. Uh, Star Trek shows are on there like Picard and Discovery and uh, other uh, shows that are exclusives to the streaming service, along with just about everything else that is CBS-affiliated, Paramount-affiliated. So, uh, yeah, Yellowstone's been there for a while. Now uh, this 1883 show is on. They released two episodes this past Sunday. Uh, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill are both primary actors uh, in this show. Uh, I I haven't watched it either because I feel like I probably should watch Yellowstone first. You can't truly appreciate a prequel without watching uh, the sequel. But here's the thing. It's the funny thing. A lot of buzz already about this show. Uh, It's strong, strong ratings. Uh, But the critics, critics don't like you watching it. They're kind of miffed at you because all they have to say about this show is that it's uh, family values and and conservatism. Uh, Ooh, well, what a terrible thing. So now they're trying to convince me to watch. I may end up watching this show before watching Yellowstone at this rate. So anyway, that's going on out there. Uh, Lots of people complaining that a show, a television show that a lot of folks are watching, happens to be about family values and conservatism. How terrible. Uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot once again felt like she hadn't been in the headlines uh, enough here recently. So uh, she's getting some attention with her brand new heavy-handed vaccine-free your-time-is-up uh, behavior. Uh, that's actually something she said uh, looking to try and force vaccine mandates on the people of Chicago. Um, Strangely enough, Geraldo comes down on a firm statement in regards to conservative-type behavior by people that generally aren't considered to be conservative. Uh, He's talking about Build Back Bubkus, or, you know, they call it Build Back Better, but we all know that's not really what it is. Geraldo was actually heaping a lot of praise towards Senator Manchin for standing up Against the Build Back Better bill, and uh, you know he called it out for what it was. He he called it a budget-busting pork for poverty pimps uh, bill, and uh, he was all about it. So uh, kudos to Geraldo for uh, for reporting some factual information and for getting that right. Uh, he sometimes wasps off to the left. Uh, as far as the thinking process is concerned. So, uh, you know, give him uh, props when he gets there. Uh, There's a report floating out right now that the FDA could approve a new Pfizer-Merck COVID pill in the next few days. Uh, Of course, barely there, Beijing Biden came out and he scolded America today once again over all the the vaccine situation. He he said to stop it now, uh, talking to the purveyors of lies on vaccines. Basically, talking about cable news and social media. He's talking about people like you and me out there sharing what we know, you know, sharing uh, our thoughts, our ideas, our feelings, and uh, the data in concerned how... COVID is spreading, you know, we're all supposed to be terrified of Omicron, uh, which is like the least scariest variant out there. But you wouldn't know that if you were just listening to Democrats or just listening to uh, mainstream legacy media because they're trying to tell you all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, we should just be afraid, be afraid. But, you know, I do find it funny, though that he's going to crack on Fox News and Newsmax and, you know, One America and, and everybody out there, Newsmax, I think I said already, but everybody that's out there with a conservative lean, you know, and not even necessarily full-blown conservative, but, but a conservative lean. He's going to crack on those folks and call them purveyor of lies when he himself holds that crown. Let us not forget that the man has been proven guilty of plagiarism on multiple occasions uh, during his, acad- his academic career as well as his political one. He has this pinch on well before he started uh, developing mush brain. Uh, well before then, he was notorious for uh, spreading things as though they were truthful bits of information without them necessarily being being even in the same zip code as the truth, let alone uh, in the same book or on the same page. So anyway, Biden came out. He gave us all that lecture. Uh, Another interesting uh, bit going on right now. It it appears that Dr. Anthony Fauci is a bit upset with Jesse Waters. In fact, on CNN, Fauci said that Jesse Waters should be fired. Now, uh, Waters was at the Turning Point USA conference, and he basically said that everyone should engage in Project Veritas style, uh, set up gotcha questioning of Fauci and anybody that is part of the bureaucracy that's trying to force and cram down all these COVID restrictions on everybody. Uh, He gave a a how-to to to, to set up the questions and how to set up that gotcha moment, and he went through and he talked about these things, and basically all he was doing is telling Americans it's time to stand up, and uh, Fauci's like, oh, no, no, we can't have that. Uh, He should be fired on the spot. Fox News should fire him right now, and you know what Fox News did? They said, hmm, I think after watching the clip, it's Pretty obvious that the parts where he's talking about going in for the kill, which was the setup, gotcha questions. Going in for the kill was not meant to be literal. Fauci kind of insinuated that he believed it was that he literally wants you to go in and uh, kill people. Now, I don't know Jesse Waters personally, but I've watched Jesse Waters. I've watched Jesse Waters enough to know. That's not something he would ever do. Not publicly. And I have a hard time believing that he would ever suggest it uh, in anything other than just privately. And and even then, I kind of have a hard time seeing that. Now, I believe he was speaking in hyperbole, and I believe he was using exaggeration, and I believe he was using the common vernacular. What do we mean, ladies and gentlemen, when we say we're going in for the kill? Well, you know, if we're... Playing a game, that just means that we're planning on making a move that we think is going to help us win the game. Uh, If we think we're going to be having an interview, it means we think we're about to trap the interviewee into having to admit something that we were trying to get them to admit that they didn't want to. And in a case like this, eh, can we in for the kill? Definitely does not mean, hey, I want you to go kill somebody. That's not what Jesse's doing here. So Fox News points that out in the responses, and it's pretty clear after having watched the the segment, having watched his speech, because it was videotaped, it was available. That's how Dr. Fauci uh, heard it to get upset about it in the first place. Fox says it's pretty clear that it was not intended to be literal. And then they also just so happen to point out that oh yeah by the way uh, uh, Dr Fauci sir perhaps you should still be uh, working on a more truthful uh, answer and then an explanation thereafter in regards to your involvement with a little thing called gain of function research involving coronaviruses just just a suggestion you know what uh, that's the first time in a while I've had reason to give kudos to Fox News. Uh, Also, another headline floating out there in case you didn't hear it. uh, A man was sentenced to prison for using Facebook to distribute child pornography. Now, I want to know how it is that I can make a post on Facebook, and if it's uh, political, if it's sharing one of my articles, if it's showing a, sharing a link to this show, if it's uh, sharing a link to Daily Wire or The Blaze, that they can throttle me back to the point that only eight people are going to see it. But somehow, magically, Chorn is able to be shared and sent and manipulated and, and all kinds of stuff. I mean, you're literally trapping it, trafficking it. On Facebook. How does that happen? Hey, fact checkers, aka protected opinion people, uh, maybe your focus is on the wrong things. No, no, I know. Crazy idea, right? Absolutely nuts. How could I even say that? Uh, some people are making a big deal out of one of the hottest toys out there for this Christmas. Uh, uh, people are talking about how it's witchcraft for kids. There's evidently this thing called the Magic Mixes Magical Misting Cauldron, where you're supposed to be able to create your own pet. There's evidently kind of a little brew thing and a little spell book that comes with it. And, uh, you know, this is what I, I got to say. I've kind of got mixed feelings on, because on the one hand, I don't think there's anything wrong with kids uh, engaging in their imagination. You know, I mean, that's that's part of the fun and the joy of being a kid. And like I've said before, I was pro Harry Potter b- just because I thought that in the age of video games, anything that got kids back to reading books is probably a good thing. Uh, but I can still see the concern. All right for as a conservative and a Christian, there is this concern that somehow this in fact promotes occultism, and there's again, no mistake about it in the current popular culture that kids are in Uh, just inundated with all types of occult references. Uh, All kinds of television shows, uh, everything from Cartoon Network to Disney Channel has all kinds of occult-related storylines and supernatural things. And, you know, as an adult, you can look at these things and you can understand the fun aspect of it and understand that it's pretend. And, you know, it's up to the parents, though, to teach their children the difference. A child should be able, at least in my opinion, to engage in play magic without suddenly actually selling their soul to the forces of darkness and becoming a practitioner of the dark arts. It it shouldn't be a situation where the kid doesn't understand. I'm just pretending. And should something start to become a little too real, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to start and and everything's going to be okay. I mean, I believe that there is that fine line. And so while I do understand the concern, I kind of wonder if this isn't the kind of thing that by making an issue out of it, you're just going to end up helping to sell more of these things. I, that's just my thought there. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is back one more time. Over the course of the last two weeks, Elizabeth Warren has been on a bit of a tour Uh, She's been going in front of a microphone or a television camera, wherever she can find one, and she has blamed greed on high prices. It's all greed. And she has, strangely enough, taken her time with each one of these outings to point a finger at a different industry. You know, it's the energy executives why gas prices are up, and it's this industry the reason why those prices are up and now now she's uh taking a moment to say that grocery conglomerates are responsible for skyrocketing food prices now at the end of the day i i, I think there's really two things you can take from this and one of them is what i've already pointed out uh, in fairly recent episode. In fact, I think it might have been the last time we got together, uh, you and I, as I was reaching out to you through my microphone here. And that is, I don't believe Elizabeth Warren has ever had to meet a payroll. Uh, Therefore, I don't think she understands how business works, period. So, you know, maybe this is just a case of ignorance and at the same time trying to tote the party line, because the primary thing here is no matter what we know to be true, the Biden administration and, by extension, anyone associated with it cannot, cannot under any circumstance permit the notion to, to sprout out there that, uh, that maybe, maybe the current administration's policies is playing a role, even a small role. Now, that that can't be the case. We can't allow people to think that. That's crazy talk. Except for the fact that it's not really so crazy, is it? Truth of the matter is, we had a situation where Donald John Trump had the economy humming. We had the lowest unemployment in history. We had the lowest levels of minority unemployment ever. We had... Money in the pockets of people who had struggled to have two pennies to rub together. We had everybody. Literally, the rising tide was raising every boat out there. It was, it was great for the U.S. economy, and more importantly, it was great for the American people. That's what energy independence and America First does for the American citizen. That's, that's how that works. And then here comes COVID shutdowns. You know, how, how scared would we have been then if we had known that eventually we'd have to deal with Omicron? Uh, but here we are. Now, before those shutdowns, economy was humming. Everything was great. After those shutdowns, the economy kind of started to, to sputter. But it, but it wasn't lost. It wasn't destroyed. All we would have had to do is flip the switch, open back up, get everybody back to work, and boom. We would have had continuing growth on top of where we had been previously. We would make up for that loss in a hurry. And it's pretty clear that it would have been easy enough to do. Certainly. Certainly. In fact, after it was determined that the Biden regime, that Operation P-Pads and D-Pads were going to be the ones allowed to take over, uh, and then they were installed into the White House, uh, once that was decided, literally all barely there Biden had to do, all he had to do was sit back and say here's what's happening. We're not gonna put out a whole bunch of extra free money. Everybody's gonna have to go back to work. Sorry, but in America, Americans need to work. The only way that you shouldn't be going back to work is if for some reason you cannot work. Some medical, physical, or even maybe medical, emotional, uh, for as long as it's legit. uh, I think there's still way too many people that take advantage of that notion. But there are plenty of folks out there that legit have the issue. So as long as there's a good reason for you not to, then you need to fall under that safety net that uh, most conservatives, in fact, most Americans, period, believe there should be. For those who simply cannot for a legitimate reason, I don't think anybody has a hard time saying, OK, well, we'll, we'll let our tax dollars help. But for the folks that were just staying at the house because, you know what? I kind of liked binging Netflix while I was taking this extended uh, COVID vacation. For those folks, no, that should not have been allowed. Get back to work. We're opening up. Everything's moving forward. And then, boom, if you had just done that and then not made any changes. I know the folks with the green agenda would have been miffed. But if you maintain the energy independence and you just flip the switch back uh, to on, you would be presiding uh, there, Joe, over the best economy this nation has ever seen. And you know what? Even though we would know, we would know, people like me, people like Ann Eubelis and Don Smith and Ron Edwards and and Rod Eccles, and, and all the folks that you normally hear. And, of course, I don't have to mention any of those top-tier folks that you might be listening to on the radio on a regular basis. Uh, you know. But all these folks that are out here trying to, to purvey to you conservative values, we all would have known, and we would have been content to, to tell anybody who would listen. But you, Joe, you and all your minions, you wouldn't have had to mention uh, the orange man who's bad's name at all. You could have just sat back and took credit for it, and there would have been a lot of people that would have just blindly accepted what you were saying. And they would have never looked into it just because things would have been going really, really good. Isn't that amazing? Now, Americans don't get all riled up unless things are bad. That's the reason you've got Let's Go Brandon chants out there. And, of course, some folks are still chanting uh, the original. That's a bit more crude. Uh, F Joe Biden. Uh, Those chants are out there. They're out there not because everybody loves you, Joe. But it's not necessarily because they hate Joe either. I mean, Joe Biden is the kind of guy that if you don't know much about him, he seems likable enough. And To be fair, most Americans simply do not pay enough attention to politics to know enough about Joe Biden to have the type of visceral disdain that political junkies that are conservative actually did have for Joe Biden before his brain started turning to mush. I mean, before his brain started resembling the oatmeal that he eats for breakfast now, uh, he was an ornery, mean, lying son of a gun that uh, pulled no punches in attacking Anybody he thought was a political adversary, especially American citizens who would show up in front of the Senate to testify over something that uh was working against his agenda. He was a mean guy. In fact, I I really don't know where anybody's gotten the notion that Joe Biden was ever a nice guy. I mean, I guess maybe if you were a fellow Democrat, I mean, he's probably nice to you. Yeah, just old Joe. He's he's likable enough at the uh at the dc parties but you know if you're not somebody worthy of hobnobbing with i guarantee you you wouldn't have liked the man uh, he's just whatever but anyway back to the whole point here no elizabeth Uh, It's not the auto executives that is the reason for why used cars and new cars are costing so much. And it's not the grocery conglomerates the reason why food prices are shooting up. It's the non-transitory inflation that's been exacerbated by literally every policy point that this administration has put in place. All they had to do was set back into nothing except flip the switch to on. But it just—they just couldn't. They just couldn't. All right. Uh, I guess the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell uh, defense has rest. Interesting that uh, the feds released a video of the raid on Epstein's Palm Beach home just before the defense team gave their closing arguments. Uh, the closing argument. Uh, part of it was basically saying that her friendship with Epstein was a mistake, but not a crime. All right, let me tell you something. Maxwell is deep into the Intel and counterintelligence levels. Uh, she found recruited and, uh, <laughs> was the handler for Epstein. She's dirtier than he was. And this whole human trafficking thing that they're trying to, uh, to get them caught up on. That's the least of the criminal activity that they took. And it's pretty daggum bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not diminishing it at all. It's horrific, the things they did to these young girls. There should be accountability. The problem is the full range of accountability for the full range of actions and activities that these people were engaged in is never going to happen because it would lead to too many other people that... They were trying to create dirt on in order to manipulate and control them because that's how the counterintelligence areas work. Uh, another headline that's well worth mentioning uh, as we are closing in to the the very heart of the holiday season: the Better .dot com CEO, you know, the one who fired nine hundred employees just before Christmas. Turns out that the CEO only wanted to give those 900 employees one week of severance pay. Uh, Things were bad. (laughs) What a joke. Uh, D.C. Public Schools had a staff member that allegedly forced third graders to reenact the Holocaust with one student cast as Hitler. Well, I I think if you're going to do the Holocaust, don't you have to have a Hitler? I mean, unless you're a Holocaust denier, of course, in which case you're thinking this is all an act of uh, fiction, so there's no need to be historically accurate because you don't believe it's true anyway, right? But, you know, for those of us that... Actually, are not immune to facts that we don't have a resistance to data. Those of us who have not taken the Democrats' favorite medication, the fact blocker two thousand. Those of us who deal in truth, we know what happened. And I think, I think you gotta have a Hitler, right? Like I don't know. It, it's in apropos to uh, have somebody portraying Hitler. So there you have it. Authorities, of course, have now uh, reported the first U.S. death that's been attributed to the Omicron variant. That's, of course, in the middle of Democratic panic everywhere. Uh, PETA is evidently pretty upset with uh, Joe and Dr. Jill. Um, They're mad that they didn't go ahead and adopt a new dog after they got rid of Major. Now, uh, again... I didn't spend very much time, if any, covering uh, the Major-Biden story because Major was the dog that was snapping at Secret Service agents. Uh, Major was a biter, and they eventually had to send Major back to the home state. He couldn't stay at the White House. Peter Smith, it's Christmas. By now, you should have adopted a new dog. Uh, Whatever. (laughs) Another headline that uh, is laughable which is why I'm not going to spend uh, too much time on it. Uh, but this is your uh, chance to play the AOC drinking game because it's going to be the only time I mention AOC, or well, the only one, only time I'm planning on mentioning it. I may bring her up later. But uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made the statement that she represents as many people as Joe Manchin does. Um, I'm going to say sorry. Now, you may have graduated from Boston University with a Bachelor's of Arts degree in both international relations and economics, but evidently numbers not exactly are strong suit. After all, the liberal icon was livid over Joe Manchin's decision to oppose the Build Back Bubkiss plan. And, of course, we've talked about that uh, Uh, Not just AOC's reaction, but the other members of the squad as well. But uh, pretty upset over the Build Back Bupkus plan. She described Senator Manchin as very entitled, very privileged, and very protected. While the White House... Not not the White House, but while the House most reliably delivers the actual will of the majority of the people. Okay? So this is part of her little statement about how the Senate is run like a good old boys club. She literally said that, and then threw out there real quick, with with a couple of gals who broke through. (laughs) How condescending. Uh, She would love to be in the Senate, by the way. She would. Uh, At some point, if she doesn't run for president, she may very well uh, run for Senate before long. But uh, you're not actually delivering on the will of the people particularly well when you are following the globalist agenda. Adju- it's exactly where the federal level of the Democratic Party is at. But she, she made the statement, and then she ripped Manchin for opposing the plan again. Made the very untrue claim in an interview on MSNBC over at Morning Joe uh, that, uh, that she represents as many people. Uh, quoting, uh, the lovely Ocasio-Cortez. She said, it's a farce in terms of, you know, plain democracy. Because I represent more or just, just as many or more people than Joe Biden does. I'm sorry, Joe Manchin does. Perhaps more. Uh, no. Not so fast there, AOC. Now, according to the New York Post, uh, In fact, West Virginia's population is 1.79 million people. While New York's 14th Congressional District, which encompasses parts of the Bronx and Queens, is comprised of about 750,000 people. So there is a significant difference. You know, about a million more people. Ocasio Cortez of New York is a member of the squad, blah blah blah. Ilhan Omar, Rashida Talib, Ayana Presley, and all of them slam mansion. Omar was the most vocal. Collie Mansion stands uh bull excretive. Uh that's a combination of excrement as I refer to it on air and an expletive so that, you know, she did not use that terminology. She went ahead and said, uh, el toro de caca or el caca de toro. Actually, I guess would be the more sexually correct. Eh. Anyway, uh, forgive my Spanish. (laughs) She, uh, She has a lot to learn. In fact, she's been talking a lot uh, lately about democracy. There's a reason we don't have a straight democracy, and there's a reason why socialists in particular and communists – I'm looking at you, Bernie, no matter what you call yourself – There's a reason why those folks always talk about a truer form of democracy, always talk about how you need to do away with things like the Electoral College, because those are things that actually work to protect minority voices in the country. Just because you have a million more people living in one large city in one state doesn't mean you have the right to completely overrule an entire state somewhere out west where the population is a little more sparse, but where your way of living just does not work. That's why we have states in the first place. We are a union of states. We are a federation of individual small states. There is a level of autonomy, and in the federal government— Under the ideas, the term of federalism, the states have a lot of power that the federal government is not supposed to have. And your ideas about straight democracy are dangerous at best. We don't like the idea here at Tapping into the Truth of two wolves and a sheep getting together to decide what to have for lunch. Anyway going to take a break right now because i've overshot the halfway point of this hour by just a little bit so you stay right where you're at and i will return on the other side this is tim tap wishing you and yours a very merry christmas a very happy new year we wish you the the
2: merriest the merriest the merriest yes the merriest we wish you the merriest the merriest the merriest you cheer we wish you the
0: happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We
2: wish you the happiest the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, new year.
3: George Washington Carver wrote the famous quote, Where there is no vision, there is no hope. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee, the one you want in your cup. The United States of America was founded primarily upon principles that enabled those of thrift and personal industry to achieve success and, more importantly, leave the legacy of being an example of overcoming the odds with God's grace, making what was an impossible dream into accomplishment. In my thoughts, I am often reminded of the countless sovereign Americans who refused to allow bitterness and hate to become their life story. Still others rejected the fear of stepping out and boldly traveled the road of success in their lives. To my fellow Americans, I beseech you to embrace God's gift of life in this, the greatest nation ever known, and let us seek providential guidance and grand vision of greatness and seize it. If we do, the United States of America will be great again, so help us God. I'm Ron Edwards. Enjoy the Ron Edwards American Experience 3 p.m. Eastern time daily. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com.
2: Ron Edwards, the new voice of America.
3: Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go,
2: This
1: is Tim Tapp, host of Tap into the Truth, wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas and hopefully a very Happy New Year.
2: Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street... Say hello to friends you know and everyone
4: you meet. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877 that's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day.
1: ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. want to go ahead and uh, make sure that I remind everybody that if you're going to truly enjoy the blessings of the holiday, you have to be able to enjoy freedom and liberty. That requires self-reliance. And nobody's been helping you to be more self-reliant for longer than my patriot supply. So... Remember, not only do you need to be concerned about making sure that you're self-sufficient, you're self-reliant, that you're in a position should the worst happen, but in this season of giving, it's time to give the gift of self-reliance to someone that you love. So go down into today's show description, if you will, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, copy the entire link paste that into your uh, web browser and then go visit My Patriot Supply. Use that link in its entirety so that they know I sent you. That way our affiliate relationship will help the show too. So you get a chance to help me, you get a chance to help yourself to be prepared, or you have the chance to show how much you truly love somebody else by giving the gift of self-reliance. Give the gift of My Patriot Supply. Uh, Who could ask for anything more? Okay. Well, you know, clearly, lots of people could ask for a lot more. Another story, though. Okay, uh, another quick hit. Um, and yeah, I know I've already ran like half of the first hour on these quick hit headlines. But uh, another quick hit headline that just have to kind of touch on: the World Economic Forum summit in Davos has been indefinitely postponed amid omicron concerns uh don't think for a second that's going to slow these folks down because after all they're more than capable of having a skype meeting or I guess a Microsoft teams or maybe they'll still get on zoom although I think they're I think the uh, Davos crowd tends to stay away from zoom uh, <laughs> it's not highbrow enough for them uh, at any rate uh, they're still more than capable of Uh, getting together without having to get together in person and continue to work the Build Back Bupkis plan on the global scale. After all, let's not forget, Joe Biden didn't come up with Build Back Better. It was handed to him by the Davos crowd. All right, now, uh, one of those folks that just keeps giving... Right. If you're a conservative commentator that likes uh, talking about and discussing the culture war side of things, uh, in the past year plus, one of those folks that just keeps giving and giving to the conversation is Jesse Smollett. And, strangely enough, Kim Fox, Illinois' attorney uh, general, has also managed to add her name to the fuel of the fire that. Dumpster fire, I should say, of Jesse Smollett. On this past Monday, Illinois' judge Michael Toomlin allowed for the release of a 60-page report regarding Illinois' Cook County attorney Kim Fox's mishandling of the Smollett hate crime hoax. Uh, That report found major failures and... Potential ethics violations over false statements given by Fox to authorities regarding the investigation. In 2019, Fox initially dropped all charges against the now convicted hate crime hoaxer, who claimed he was attacked on a January night by two MAGA-supporting... Uh, individuals that were hurling racial and homophobic slurs and and put a noose around his neck and, and drenched him in a chemical that was like bleach. Uh, although, strangely enough, he held on to the noose and uh, still managed to hold on to his subway sandwich uh, in the middle of this Arctic blast uh, despite all the threats and danger he was under. Well... WTTW reported that Special Prosecutor Dan Webb compiled the report as part of the orders from Judge uh, Tumnan, who appointed Webb as the Special Prosecutor in the case after Fox's office dismissed an initial set of 16 criminal charges against Smollett, who was accused of orchestrating a hoax hate crime against himself In Chicago in January in 2019. Okay, so I think we covered that part already. Uh, Quoting here from the local channel, they said that Webb was tasked both with reinvestigating the Smollett case and with determining whether Fox or any other person or office involved in the case engaged in improper conduct or committed any criminal offenses. Now, Webb's report found, quote, substantial abuses, a major failure of operations committed by Fox's office, but stopped short of saying that there were any criminal behavior. Now, following the release of the report, uh, Fox News' Matt Finn reported that former Judge uh, Sheila O'Brien issued a statement saying that Kim Fox is a liar and should resign as also pointed out by Finn, O'Brien successfully filed the motion for the special prosecutor in the Smollett case, which, of course, led to the actor being recharged after Fox's office had dropped the initial investigation. Back to quoting uh, from O'Brien, Kim Fox should resign. This report shows that she's a liar, that her administration is in chaos, and that she's blaming everyone else. She should resign. Taxpayers deserve better. Hard to argue against that, right? Now, despite the Smollett controversy, Fox won re-election in 2020. And Finn also reported that Webb said that he would be referring Kim Fox and attorneys to Illinois' attorney registration for Nothing other than uh, potential ethics violations by making false and misleading statements in the small ad case. Somehow, some way, I think that this is probably just not enough. I mean, we will see how things play out. Is Kim Fox going to be removed from office? Because we know she's not going to resign, but is she going to be removed? That's going to be the big kicker. That's going to be what we really, really uh, are going to be waiting to see. After all, uh, if you're a Democrat and you're anywhere in politics, you tend to fail upwards rather than be held accountable. So my fingers are crossed. I'm hoping for a Christmas miracle. I'm hoping for some accountabilities, but we'll see. All right, and as we look to close out the first hour of tonight's two-hour broadcast, wanted to discuss this. And, uh, of course, lots of people get worked up when somebody like myself talks about a story like this because, well, you know, reasons. The headline is 26-year-old DACA recipient sentenced to 28 years in prison over... I think we talked about uh, something similar earlier in the hour... Uh, 28 years in prison over child pornography. Okay, so the Department of Justice announced this past week that a 26-year-old, uh Kayomi Miguel... Areu, <laughs> okay, uh, I'm not going to worry about butchering this guy's name. Uh, anyway... Uh, This individual has been sentenced to 28 years in prison after being found guilty of using social media to entice minors into performing sexual acts and producing pornography in exchange for money. In a statement given to the, the Daily Wire, Immigration and Customs Enforcement confirmed That Miguel Ruiz uh, had first come to the United States as an illegal alien in the late 1990s and was granted deferred action for childhood arrival status sometime thereafter. In a press release that came out this past Friday, the Department of Justice announced that Miguel Ruiz has been residing in Asheville, North Carolina and had Used Snapchat and other messaging apps popular with teenagers to conduct at least 15 minor females in the Asheville area for the purpose of inducing the minors to produce sexually explicit images and engage in sex acts with him in exchange for money. So he's using Snapchat. He's using other social media platforms. They didn't put them out there by name, but I think it's fair to guess that if you're on Snapchat, then you're probably using TikTok also. But uh, I guess because TikTok is run by the Chinese, we're not going to worry about... Maybe, I don't know. I mean, I that's just me speculating anyway, so I probably shouldn't go too far down there. But this guy, at least 15 minor girls. 15 girls under the age of 18 in and around the Asheville, North Carolina area. Now, in the spring of 2020, the Asheville Police Department arrested Miguel and seized numerous electronic devices. A forensic analysis of these devices revealed that Miguel possessed dozens of videos and images of teenage girls engaging in sexually explicit conduct. Some of the videos also depicted Miguel engaging in sex acts with the minors. As Miguel previously admitted in court, the defendant used the mobile payment service cash app to pay the underage victims for the child pornography and sex acts. After being arrested, uh, Miguel's uh, DACA status was terminated. DACA, of course, was created uh, under the guise of, of former resident and occupier of the White House, Barack Hussein Alu akbar Obama, uh, to protect the children who are brought to the U.S.C. legally by their parents prior to their 16th birthdays, and uh, protect those people from deportation. Now, ISIS, of course, confirmed that upon completion of jail time, the federal agency will seek to begin the process of deportation. Will seek to begin the process. Meaning... There's no guarantee that this guy's going to get booted out of the country. Uh, I, I don't even know how I feel about having to stay in the United States to, to work out your prison sentence. Why do the American taxpayers have to be on the hook for the uh, three square meals, of cotton, whatever exercise and health care this guy's going to get in prison uh, over this uh, pedo activity here? This guy should just be booted out of the country. And, I don't know, uh, we, we've we seen how Sweden's come up with this electronic subdermal chip for your uh, COVID vaccine passport uh, bovine excrement. Um, why not implant this guy with the Suicide Squad style uh, embedded at the base of his neck and then just blow up his head if he sneaks back across into the country? We can do that, right? I mean, it's only cruel and unusual if he tries to break the law and come back into the country again, right? I mean, am I I too far over to the top? I mean, because when I read stories like this, I get a little salty. When I see that this kind of activity is going on and people are failing to be held accountable, in this case, this guy got caught. We know lots of times others aren't being caught. Uh, just last week we were talking about a story where the CIA was covering or looking the other way for people that were contracted or were actual agents for them that were engaging in pedophilic activities as well. So I get a little miffed with all of this stuff now. I got no room for it. I've got zero tolerance. There's no room for that in my America. It's my America, but you're welcome to live here. At the end of the day this is obscene behavior and the most obscene part is the American taxpayers are on the hook for taking care of this guy for at least the next 28 years if the prison population don't uh what's what's a good word here uh, unless the prison population wherever he ends up doesn't escalate the terms of his sentence you know aggressively move towards a harsher sentence. We know that in general populations, pedophiles don't tend to do well, or at least that's the way it used to be, uh, which is also why in the prisons these days, they typically don't let pedophiles, uh, pedophilic criminals, uh, pedos, pedophiles, they don't typically let them in the general population. They protect them. Uh, not sure how I feel about that, because on the one hand, it's like, okay, well, not everybody that gets convicted is something's actually guilty of it, right? Uh, so I don't know. It's it's this case where if if there was no question, if there was no doubt, and this is something that this person did, and it seems like this is pretty open and shut here. Seems to me like. There is a really good chance he's not gonna fulfill his entire sentence, but even if he does, I, I'm still thinking: uh, what if we just send him to a prison back in his home country? I, I'm pretty sure we can do that, right? We just will send him. Well, we'll I, I'm still on board with like the Suicide Squad uh, style implant the base of his neck. I think that's a good idea. Again, it's only cruel and unusual if he tries to come back and it actually goes off. Rig that bad boy so that if somebody tries to remove it, it goes off. Because it would be criminal and it would also be a crime to try and remove it. You know, just stay where you're supposed to be. You're never allowed back. Don't cross the border and you're safe. Geofencing. We've got that geosynchronous orbit so that we're constantly able to make sure that we know using geolocation, it's like you cross that border. Hey, Here's an idea. You might want to stay at least two miles away from the border just to make sure there's not a tech glitch that accidentally sets it off. <sighs> and unfortunately, it takes something like that to make me uh, hang feel like I can hang on to my Christmassy mood. Yes, believe it or not, that's a Christmas thing. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, anyway, that's going to have to be it for the first hour. We're going to reset the hour. So if you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Uh, hour number two will start uh, just after this. Meanwhile, if you are listening to the rebroadcast on great radio stations across the country, we're having to say goodbye. So to you folks... Be sure to tune in again tomorrow to hear hour number two. And uh, remember, uh, for the remainder of today, uh, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, more importantly, uh, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, uh, stay safe out there, stay healthy if you can, and uh, be smart, even if it goes against your nature.
0: Gotta be free the way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn UN Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn in their guns. All the unions always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay I've got to be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damned
1: Damn you, when hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you're doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. Uh, It is indeed the Christmas season, and I hope that it is a beautiful, joyous, and blessed Christmas holiday for you, even if you're not somebody that celebrates Christmas for whatever reason. Uh, Just accept the well wishes with the intention in which they are meant. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, even if you're typically one of these people that gets worked up over that kind of thing and you become offended, uh, understand, this is a point in time where joy is being wished to you. Uh, just accept the well wishes. Come on, guys, seriously. This is a first step towards reestablishing an America where we can all get along. Maybe even an entire world where we could all get along. Now, that would be a Christmas miracle. All right, I am, of course, your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, And I'm coming to you from a historic and beautiful, lovely Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, we are out here in the bejeweled area of East Tennessee and the foothills of the Smoky Mountains, part of the Appalachian chain. And it is just absolutely awesome. The only thing we're missing right now is some snow on the ground for the Christmas season, just enough to make it white. That's all I'm really asking for. Don't expect we're going to get that. But uh, it's always a a hope. Now, there are plenty of people in parts of this country where they start getting snow early and uh, they usually don't want any more of it and a white christmas is no big deal they get it quite a bit uh we only get those intermittently so they're really magical it'd be really nice so for those of you that are inclined to pray uh, go ahead and shoot one up uh, on my benefit for just a white christmas again just enough to cover the ground nothing to be dangerous nothing to cause trouble i don't want to be involved with making life difficult for anyone i really don't sometimes i have to by the very nature of things that i'm employed to do but It's not something I want to do. So, you know, just enough, cover the ground, make a white Christmas, let us build a snowman. I'd love to have uh, Rudolph and Frosty hanging out in my yard together. That's all. Uh, Anyway, uh, glad to have you guys here with me today as always, always, always a pleasure. And it's very humbling to know that you are here. Uh, I want to give thanks to the folks over at... uh, now I can't even think of the name of the app. Uh, please, what are we talking about? Um, well, gee, Tim. Uh, typically a music app. Uh, Spotify, yeah, that's it. to want to give a special shout-out to the folks over at Spotify who, uh, at least somebody over there, took a major liking to the show and uh, listened uh, quite a bit here recently. A big uptick this past week on the Spotify numbers, so thank you guys. Uh, don't forget to rate the show, follow the show, share the show, uh, let everybody know. And uh, thank you no matter where you're listening to the show. If you listen to the podcast, uh, thank you so very much. Uh, whether you're listening at Stitcher.com or at iTunes or Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Podchaser or Pod Addict or, of course, uh, Spotify and iHeartRadio and yeah, I'm I'm looking at you guys over at iHeart, your, your numbers have actually been dipping a little bit here lately uh, come on guys, seriously um, you can't you can't let Spotify jump ahead of you, and of course there's also a great new app that carries the show uh, uh, through India and uh, since that app has started carrying the show, uh, phenomenal the numbers coming out of India folks listening to the show, so thank you uh, every Everybody over there in India, uh, many blessings and uh, thank you so much for uh, actually turning India into the second uh, largest listening audience in the uh, international stage. For the longest time, Canada and the UK were solid one and twos. Uh, they would flip back and forth, uh, and now uh, not not so much. India is a strong number two, well ahead of both Canada and the UK. Uh, so, uh, thanks. Thank you, India. And in the meanwhile, uh, all you other freedom-loving Western Europe, uh, Western European nations, and Western civilization countries, wherever you're located, better step up your game. Start listening to the show more. You can't let India just beat you, not not without making a, a fight out of it. Come on. Uh, funny how getting you guys to kind of pit the competition against each other there just a little bit uh, really works to help me. <laughs> It's just it's funny, it's just a funny little thing. All right. Anyway, uh, let's let's get back into things. Okay. This is for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on great radio stations that uh, you know, like KYAH five forty AM Utah's Talk Authority, just as an example. You're hearing what is the second hour of the broadcast that was uh, done live on December twenty first of twenty twenty one. And uh, if you missed the first hour, if you didn't hear yesterday's broadcast in the same time slot, uh, wherever you're listening, uh, please feel free to visit the podcast. And if you don't already listen to podcasts on one of these apps or in one of these locations or platforms, uh, feel free to visit tap into the truth. That's t a p p into the truth dot com, and you can move over to past broadcast page, and you can find it and uh, give a listen back to the first hour. Actually, pretty good first hour today, I thought. Uh, If I'm wrong, uh, please don't bust my bubble. Just uh, whistle and ignore me. Uh, But if you agree, feel free to let me know. I I encourage communication via social media. And, of course, uh, you can send me messages uh, through the website as well. On the uh, down near the bottom of the homepage of Tap Into the Truth, there's a little place where you can send me a message. And uh, I'll see it relatively quickly if I get it. Uh, It might be a next day kind of thing before I spot it, but uh, feel free. Uh, Depending on what you say, I might even respond. Ooh, uh, how fortunate would that be? Uh, All right, anyway, um, we covered a lot of topics in the first hour, and I think we're going to slow down a little bit. Uh, Not quite as many topics, just a couple of related topics. And there's a general theme that falls in between, and I think it's important to discuss that theme. Uh, First, I want to talk about... uh, Congresswoman Jayapal. She's, of course, the chair of the uh, Progressive Caucus of the House of Representatives, a Democrat from Washington state. And uh, this past Monday, she was talking about her reaction to Senator Joe Manchin's decision not to back the Build Back Bubkus Act, or I'm sorry, they keep calling it Build Back Better, but we know that's just not accurate. Anyway, she's talking about a reaction to that and what she thinks Joe Biden, Beijing Biden, barely there Biden, and what she thinks that uh, Operation P-Pads, out of Operation P-Pads and Knee pads should do now in regards to making Build Back Bupka still become a reality. Now, I found it interesting because initially uh, she was talking the previous day about how the president— Of course, she's talking about Joe Biden when she says that. The president gave us assurances that Joe Manchin had made commitments. I believe the president when he says that. Now, obviously, she doesn't sound anything like that. It's not uh, intended to be an impersonation of her directly. Just the way you say those things, that's what it sounds like in my head. So she says she believes Joe Biden. Why? Why would you ever believe that Joe Manchin made a commitment of any kind to the build back that other? The only commitment that I heard him make is that he would be willing to hear negotiations, edits, that he wasn't close to the idea of passing a bill that could move forward some of these things, but it couldn't be that expensive and you couldn't use accounting tricks to try to make it less expensive those were the two things that he said and he said that publicly and privately according to most accounts but publicly that is all he ever said so that's number 1 reason why you question why would you believe that congresswoman why would you believe joe biden When he says that Joe Manchin had made commitments to the Build back. The only commitment he made is that he would listen to an earnest, honest effort to reach a compromise. That was the only commitment you had. And he got mad, Manchin. He got mad at the Biden administration because the only thing they kept bringing to him was the exact same bill with one accounting trick after another to try to get it closer to something that Manchin said he could support. But the, again, important part there is that there couldn't be accounting tricks to, to make it be falsely resemble what he said he could get behind. And make no mistake about it, these are accounting tricks. You can't say, well, we're only, we're going to start uh, getting taxes for this mm, so much before we start doing anything, before we start spending any of the money for the program. And then what if we just cut the program off early, right here, so that all of a sudden it doesn't outpace, that the cost of the programs don't outpace what we're bringing in? Those are accounting tricks. And you know it's a trick because, again, I, there's a famous, famous quote. That may be one of the truest quotes pertaining to DC. And that is, there is nothing so permanent as a temporary government program. We know once we get it, it takes an act of God to get rid of it. Even things that are supposed to just sunset, that a sunset clause is literally put into the legislation. Oftentimes, more often than not, we will see those things get renewed time and time and time again. Unless unless these uh, acts of legislation, whatever they may be, actually accomplishes something that might diminish their power and authority. That That's literally the only time we see something actually sunset. So... Congresswoman Paul started off in her little uh, interview uh, talking to the media in general, but it was also reported by the Washington Examiner, specifically here, started off saying that she wanted to, to start the conversation with a honest and clear-eyed look at how we got to where we are. She said that it started almost eight months ago when the White House decided to to split the the build-back-bubkist agenda into two bills, leaving the majority of the agenda even beginning negotiations uh, until the early fall. And, of course, when we're talking about splitting it in two, that means the infrastructure and then all this build-back-bubkist crap. When they split that up, they split it up because the idea that there was a notion, that there was a possibility that... If you just took what they were claiming to be infrastructure, a lot of which wasn't, very little of this is actual honest-to-goodness infrastructure, but what they called infrastructure, if you passed that on its own, there was a good chance that you could get enough people on board. You might even get some Republicans on board, and so they split it up, and it worked. They were able to pass it, despite how crappy it is. So... For the record, this is her way of lamenting the fact that the two got split without her coming out and being quite as vocal as the squad has been. I mean, you got AOC and some of her friends talking about how they knew from the beginning that if they split it up, they would never get it. Uh, They knew and they should demand answers not from Joe Manchin, but from Joe Biden. And Democratic leadership. Now, of course, that's a talking point uh, handwritten and handed to her by the Justice Democrats, whom she is a card-carrying member of. The group of uber-socialist loons that want to take over the Democratic Party in total. I mean, when you consider that the establishment Democrats are left-leaning loons, How crazy do you really have to be? They're full-blown socialists. That's how crazy. All right. So, uh, Jayapal continued saying either the president did not have a commitment or the senator made a commitment... And went back. And I believe the president when he says he had a commitment. So she's reiterating her story of, I believe Joe Biden. And again, I'm going to ask the question, based on the premises that I made earlier, everything that Joe Manchin had said previously, why? Why would you believe a man who has been caught plagiarizing both in his academic career and in his political career? Why would you believe a man who likes to tell stories and refuses to let the truth get in the way? Why would you believe a man who is a known and quantifiable liar over a man who, as far as we know in his political career, has not made a false statement? He's made some statements that uh, maybe people didn't like, he's made some statements uh where he's maybe evolved to a new position that's not lying boys and girls that's just changing your mind joe biden has flat out lied about a lot of things you know the left used to accuse uh the orange man who's bad the uh kicker of puppies the eater of babies the the climate arsonist you know that guy uh uh Donald John Trump, they used to accuse him of lying all the time, when really all he did was speak in hyperbole and metaphor. He wasn't lying very often. I mean, occasionally he might have said something that was just untrue, but usually then it was for comedic effect, and you knew he was joking. Of course, the left has no sense of humor. They prove that nearly every day and uh, certainly every night if you're watching the, uh, the uh, late-night talk shows. So I'm going to keep asking the question, why would you believe the president, uh, Congresswoman? Anyway, she continues still saying, we've mentioned climate and, you know, specifically around fossil fuels. We've mentioned student loans. We need to run that through our process. Okay, I'm going to make a couple of quick comments there. We mentioned climate. um. Okay, yeah, you talked about it. The Green New Deal something you guys want. That's a big part of the Build Back Bupkis plan. I get it. It's about controlling people, not about saving the environment. But we we know it's one of those feel-good uh, virtue signals you like to make. You talked around fossil fuels. Yeah, you took away America's energy independence and you sent our economy into a tailspin. Thanks for that. We mentioned student loans. Yes, because it's immoral, according to the squad, and according to Ms. J. Paul, and according to uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it's immoral to let students have student debt. Now, it's not at all immoral to enter into a contract uh, accepting somebody's money and agreeing to pay them back with some level of interest in exchange for them loaning it to you in the first place, uh, and then deciding you're just not going to do that. That's not immoral. Uh, deciding that you should put American taxpayers on the hook to repay that. That's not immoral. But it is immoral to let these students have student debt, settle them down. Hey. Last time I checked, nobody held a gun to their head and said, you will take the student loan. You will go get a degree in lesbian dance. And then you will go online blogging about how you can't find a job and it's all terrible and it's all the Republican fault." Nobody made them do that. They chose to do that on their own, completely. Their decision, right? But it's the... Actual people that want them to live up to their assumed liabilities. They assumed that liability when they took the loan. But it's, 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 it's us. It's people like me who says, you need to pay back your loan. You need to be responsible. You, you, you agreed to take the money. The people like me who says stuff like that, we're the immoral ones. So yeah, Ms. J. Paul, you, you need to run that through your process. Still talking to the Hill, she said, No one should think that we're going to be satisfied with an even smaller package that leaves people behind or refuses to tackle critical issues like climate change. That's why it's now incumbent on President Biden to keep his promise to us and to the American people uh, by using the ultimate tool in his toolbox of executive action in every arena immediately. Except, you know, we've talked a lot about this in the past, uh, executive orders, executive action, Um, you're kind of limited on what you have authority to do. I know we've been treating it, at least since Barack Obama, like any executive order has the force of law. It doesn't. An executive order is essentially the uh, CEO of the government uh, giving an order to his subordinates on how they're going to carry out the business of the government as it's been laid out to them. He can tweak how he chooses to set the priorities. And an executive order simply tells his subordinates how to carry out his wishes when it comes to people that actually answer to him directly in the effort to do the job of being the President of the United States. That's it. Now, we have later come to accept that it can have authority of law involving everyone in the event that it has something to do with a, a position or a an authority that's been granted to the executive branch by the Congress. Now, I'll also take this opportunity to remind you, Not that you haven't heard this from me before, and you've probably heard it from a lot of other conservatives before as well, but there's still a lot of debate between constitutional scholars as to whether or not Congress has the authority to delegate any of their responsibilities to one of the other branches to begin with. So what I'm saying is that just because Congress passes a law that says, okay, well, the president can have executive authority over this level of government, blah, blah, whatever it is, say, uh policy on the southern border, for example, um, that doesn't mean that Congress still doesn't have its own responsibility to fulfill in that arena. You can't just say, um, we're going to earmark X amount of dollars for whatever, and then the president can spend it however he wants, That doesn't work out too well because eventually you're going to have a president you don't like who's going to spend it on something you don't want them spending it on, right? Purse strings are still supposed to be controlled by the House. I I know, I'm just having these flashbacks to back when the government worked like it was supposed to and it seems so silly and so naive and so passe now, right? So exactly when it comes to anything in the Build Back Bubkis stack, where exactly does she think he has authority to push an executive action? Because, you know, they've taken to calling it executive action instead of executive orders. Evidently, it's something that it just, uh, I don't know, focus tested uh, better. That has to be it. I'm not sure exactly where she believes he has the power involving anything that's in this bill. But she wants Joe Biden to immediately, in every arena, start pushing executive orders. So, you know, just throw everything against the wall and let's see what sticks. At the very least, the government will act like it's the law, and uh, we'll uh, wait till somebody takes them to court, and uh, then somebody's going to have to have standing uh, before the court's going to hear a case. They'll just throw it out until then, and you know they they could make this thing uh, last a decade before it finally gets thrown out, and it never should have happened in the first place. That's what she's got in mind here. Let's just do it anyway. I mean, Joe Biden was okay with. Uh, with a lot of these other things, including the vaccine mandate that has now been reinstated by the Sixth Circuit. It's like, we're going to let you proceed with that. And now it's going to the Supreme Court if they'll hear it. And I say if they'll hear it because the Supreme Court has been ducking anything to do with uh, mandates and vaccines and the whole nine from the beginning. I I think they're going to have to hear this, though. Too many constitutional questions at play. Anyway, Paul continues by saying, At this point, we should not wait for that legislative path for the president to take action. I just think if there are too many Americans hurting, there's too much at stake. We have trusted for too long that Senator Manchin was engaging in good faith. And again, now she's going back to trying to find someone else to blame. She's playing the same role that every other legacy media outlet talking head is and every member of the Democratic Party is doing, and that is Joe Manchin's the bad guy. When in fact, Joe Manchin is actually an American hero right now. But, uh, you know. I can sit here and tell you the truth about that, and then I'm going to get dinged as having a purveyor of fake news uh, opinion. At this point, I'm going to say this again. At this point, we should not wait for that legislative path. Excuse me, Congresswoman, but the legislative path – should be what you're focused on. The legislative path is where your job lies. For way too long, way too long, we, the American people, have been allowing Congress to completely shirk their responsibilities. They have gotten to this little place where they realize that they need issues, not solutions. Solutions, they simply, the American people, forget what the problem was really quick, right? Right? Here's a problem. Okay, we solved it. Now it's not a problem anymore. Two years from now, when it comes time to vote again, uh, I don't even remember. What do you say? You accomplished what? You actually did that? Was that actually a problem then? People forget. So members of the House and members of the Senate, they no longer want to solve problems. They just want to have issues to perpetually run on. We're going to take this side, but we're not going to do anything. And why? Because if they actually do something, if they move something forward, if they put a bill on the floor and they have to vote, then they're on the record. And they don't want that because that becomes hard to run. It becomes really hard to run if it turns out that it's not popular or if it turns out that you failed. We promised, we guaranteed you that we would do this. And yeah, yeah we see, we tried. Now, it's still way better to tell somebody you tried to do something that they liked than it is to say you did do something that they don't, and that's the fear. You don't want some wise apple like that Tim Tapp down there in Tennessee deciding to run for office and his whole campaign against me is that, ah, uh, I voted for this Build Back Bupkus bill and I finished off destroying the American economy.
2: Hmm.
1: well, can't be on the record for that, can I? And so they avoid it. And once again, here, rather than doing the hard work that is the legislative process, here's another so-called legislator that wants to just sweep it off. Hey, Joe, do this for us. It doesn't matter if you actually have the authority. It doesn't matter if anybody is going to be mad that you... Go ahead and do it anyway. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. We're Democrats. We know better than the rest. I'm sorry, Congress lady, Congresswoman, Congress ma'am, Miss jaya Paul. Do your job and take the legislative action to try to make whatever happen. But she continued saying that uh, I'm not willing to hang my hopes and the futures of millions of Americans across the country on whether or not, uh, again, talking about Joe Manchin, he will do what he said he would do yesterday, which is often different from today or tomorrow. Except you're taking Joe Biden's word for what you think he said. You were not involved in these uh, negotiations uh, except just the tiniest bit. And again, Joe Manchin never publicly said anything other than, I can't deal with this bill as you have written it. She literally went on to say that whatever cost the senator claims to be concerned about, it will cost exponentially more to act later after the damage has occurred, both in dollars and in humans. So, oh, great. Now, Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema, who also is a no vote on this, by the way, and then uh, the 50 Republicans, they're all killing people now. This isn't the first time the Democrats, especially... Uh, the uber-leftist parts of the Democratic Party have accused anybody with, you know, just an iota of common sense of killing people by expecting other people to also engage in activities utilizing common sense. She went on, she said, according to the White House's statement yesterday in my own conversations with the White House yesterday, it is abundantly clear that we cannot trust what Senator Manchin says. Now, again with what the White House said, and with my own conversations with the White... she literally saying what the White House said twice. What the White House said to the public, and what the White House said to me. It's obvious Joe Manchin-like. No mention of what Joe Manchin said. She did say that Joe Manchin called her. That she so graciously accepted his call... And there's nothing, quoting again now, and there is nothing I have said here that I didn't say to him. We cannot hang the future of millions of Americans on the words of one man who represents a state that has a tiny percentage of the country's entire population. Again, completely ignoring the fact that Joe Manchin by himself doesn't stop this. Joe Manchin's getting the blame because he's One of the Democrats who's not following the protocol. The Democrats in the Senate need all Democrats to vote yes so that they can get to the tiebreaker and have Kamala come over and say, as president of the Senate, I vote yes. Democrats win. Yay. If one Democrat says no, And you can't convince any Republicans to jump ship. And and so far, even the highly suspect Republicans, they're not budging on the Build Back Bubkus bill. Thank God. So, Kyrsten Sinema's uh, a factor here too. But truthfully, Joe Manchin's getting all the credit because he's been the most vocal and the most upfront. And because he announced his no vote at this point in a very dramatic fashion. So he's a target. And hey, everybody likes a target, right? Everybody likes to have a target on their back. We can't let one man... It's not one man. It's two Democrats and 50 Republicans. That's the majority of the Senate. By two. No tie. So no tiebreaker. And stop pretending like the majority of Americans, because the majority of Americans are represented by the no votes. Again, uh, 50 plus 2. That's a majority. It's not a big majority, but it's a majority. I mean, the bottom line is there's nothing the Democrats can pass if Republicans don't jump on board with them that actually represents a majority because all they ever get is 50 max. The vice president has to, to vote the tiebreaker. Uh, the tiebreaker of the VP isn't a representation by the majority of Americans because presumably it's all the same people that voted for uh, freaking barely there Biden. Uh, the same people that put these folks in the Senate are presumably the same people that uh, voted for Operation Knee Pads and P-Pads. Uh, I went ahead and put Knee Pads first this time because we're talking about Kamala, in case you're wondering. And so... The question is, they keep saying that the majority of Americans want this bill. Uh, After this break, let's take a a little bit more of a look at the kind of things that are in it. Because, you know, I've kind of played fast and loose. And we've talked about a few of the aspects here and there in previous broadcasts. We haven't dug too deeply into it. And I'm still not going to give an exhaustive detailed look here either. But we're going to take a look at some of the things that are in this bill and you can decide how much you would like to have build back bupkis. But before we do that, it's time for us to take a little bit of a break, right? So, uh, you know, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year.
3: In 1852, British minister William Booth left the traditional church pulpit in favor of taking the gospel of Christ to the people throughout the streets of London. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. In the late 1800s, what became known as the Salvation Army began marching through the streets of the United States carrying the uplifting message of salvation. The Salvation Army not only preached the gospel, They helped the downtrodden, suffering souls who suffered from homelessness, hunger, and illness. William Booth had grown weary of how cruelly many churches treated or simply ignored those who were suffering the traumas of life. Mr. Booth and his wife Catherine labored tirelessly as they loved people through sacrifice and service. Until very recently, that remained the mission of the Salvation Army. But today, the Salvation Army is led by leftist individuals who have replaced the teachings of Christ with Black Lives Matter CRT wokeness that has nothing to do with the uplifting of people from poverty, sin, or damnation. What a shame, and what a waste of yet another great and historic institution. I'm Ron Edwards. Please enjoy the coffee you want in your cup. It's Constitutional Grounds. Go to theronedwards.com.
2: Ron Edwards, the new voice of America.
3: Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is Tim Tapp wishing
1: you and yours a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year.
3: Many want society to openly reward and hold evildoers in high esteem while feverishly working to punish those who do good. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee. When I was a little boy growing up in Cleveland, my dad often instructed me about the virtues of being good and being a positive, sovereign individual in society, one who seeks to help when needed. From what I have learned about Kyle Rittenhouse, it is apparent that he was reared up by his parents with similar values. Young Kyle Rennenhaus's goal on the night that he had to defend himself from a child-raping criminal and two other thugs was to protect his friend's business from being burned to a crisp and clean graffiti off of other buildings. Unfortunately, far too many Americans now suffer from herd immunity to actual facts, combined with a willingness to openly spread lies in order to promote a sick philosophical base that is morally and intellectually destructive. Any nation, including ours, that honors thugs and condemns good citizens is destined to collapse. Wake up, America, before it's too late. I'm Ron Edwards. If you want the best coffee ever, simply go to theronedwards.com and place your Christmas order now for Constitutional Grounds Coffee.
2: Ron Edwards, the new voice of America.
1: that very brief break i hope you're enjoying the sounds of the season as much as i'm enjoying playing them i i do make sure that we don't jump ahead we don't start right after labor day like the shopping season started this year we don't start right after halloween which is what has been going on for decades now we wait until thanksgiving we don't skip Thanksgiving here at Tap into the Truth because there is one thing that should be true, especially if you're a Christian. But no matter who you are, there are a few simple things that we really need to do. Number one, we have to stop skipping Thanksgiving. We have to remember to put the thanks back into Thanksgiving and to put the Christ back into Christmas. That's something we're incumbent to do, and that's done through our actions and our behavior, not just through lectures and sermons. So as much as I sometimes get on a roll and sometimes feel like I'm bringing a sermon to you, it's never my intent. I'm trying to communicate. I'm trying to entertain and inform and deliver a message of conservative values, but I'm always hoping to, as well, bring glory to God. And in that process, sometimes I succeed, sometimes I fail. But whatever the purpose, I'm trying to help communicate simple, basic, fundamental truths. So stay with me in the coming year as 2022, as Tapping to the Truth, will continue to do that to the best of my ability. All right. Before I get back to the rest of the show, I also want to mention a company called Hero Soap. Now, Hero Soap is, as I have said several times, is the most America-first company that I know. They source everything they can in the United States, and the things that they use that they can't source in the United States, they use American companies to source it for them. They don't have a lot of harsh chemicals, no artificial stuff. It's all natural things, and it is an awesome product. I enjoy it myself. If you sign up for one of their subscriptions, they'll also send soap to uh, our men and women in uniform that are serving on the front lines. So here's an idea: it being the Christmas season and all, if if you've tried Hero Soap already and enjoyed it, then know that uh, somebody else on your Christmas shopping list is probably going to enjoy it too. So give the gift of clean. And share Hero Soap with someone you love this holiday season. I mean, it, it seems reasonable, right? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're listening to the podcast, you're going to see in the show description uh, Hero Soap. And then you're going to see a link immediately after that. Copy that link in its entirety. Uh, paste that into your web browser and visit Hero Soap using that full link. Because that's how they know I'm who sent you. That way, you give a gift of clean to somebody you love and you help support the show, too. It's that affiliate relationship that I've got going on. I don't have any sponsors. The, the, these companies that we're talking about, they're not sponsors in that true set. I'm not getting a check just for talking about it. I only get paid a small commission on these sales when you guys use these links and go there and make a purchase. So... That having been said, uh, do that, please. You'll help me out, and you'll be getting something really cool. And being as late in the season as it is now, uh, don't feel too bad if you end up sharing the gift of clean after Christmas. Because going into 2020, uh, especially as dirty as politics are likely to get this year... We're probably all going to be feeling the need to get a little cleaner than usual. I think Hero Soap Company is the folks that we can count on the most to help us out with that as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, with the affiliate standby, please, please use that link. And if you're not listening to the podcast, if you're listening to the radio uh, for the rebroadcast uh, and you... Uh, don't have time to go visit a podcast uh, to look at the show description. Uh, just remember at some point to go visit tapintothetruth.com. That's T A P P into the And on the home page and on a few of the other pages, there will be banners and links that you can follow uh, to My Patriot Supply, uh, Hero Soap, uh, Blue Coolers, uh, all the folks that I have uh, an affiliate status with. Uh, feel free to visit any of those folks, and it will be. Really good for the show if you do that. If you like the show enough, well, please get that support. Okay, that's enough of that, and now I've given myself very little time to dig into this, but we'll get as far as we can and maybe we'll pick it back up a little later because the question remains and it's a strong question How much do you know about what's actually in the Build Back Bubkistat? Well. Although Democrats originally branded this legislation as a human infrastructure bill, the Build Back Better Act is a social spending initiative that uh, Biden has boasted will transform our nation's social fabric. It contains new government programs for taxpayer-funded child care, Obamacare expansion, government transfer payments, green energy spending, and tax credits. And it even has embedded and controversial, I might add, immigration provisions in the bill. So the first question you really need to cover before going too far into what's actually in it is, how much is it actually going to cost? We keep being told by the administration and by the acolytes, their allies in Congress, that that it's a a zero-cost bill, that it's paid for. Uh, All accounting tricks and untrue. Partially, uh, even up front, they acknowledge that part of how it's paid for is by raising some taxes. So that means it's not paid for, boys and girls. It's not going to be a net zero. But how much is it really going to cost? Now, much of the media coverage has focused on the price of the bill, of course. And initially, people like Senator Bernie Sanders proposed a six-trillion-dollar-in-spending bill, saying that that amount was probably too little. Of course, we all know that uh, that Bernie likes to spend everybody else's money. That's part of being a communist. He claims socialist. He's a communist. We know that. He proved it when he says probably too little for six trillion dollars. In a way, Congress whittled the bill down to a, a three point five trillion dollar bills and then reduced it to a one point seven five trillion in October, reducing the ten year deficit to three hundred and sixty seven billion dollars, according to an analysis from the Congressional Budget Office, but that is taking into account all the little budget gimmicks. Those numbers rely heavily on a series of budget gimmicks that Minimize the BBB's true cost. Uh, as it was stated over at the Daily Wire, quote, a report by the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget suggests that the true cost of the legislation may be $4.9 trillion due to a number of arbitrary sunsets and expirations. For instance, the bill would extend the American Rescue Plan's child tax credit increase and earn income credit expansion for a year, set universal pre-K and child care subsidies to expire after six years, make Affordable Care Act expansions available through 2025, and delay the requirements that businesses amortize uh, research and experimentation costs until 2026. Now, what that means is we're putting sunsets in and we're going to count that as if none of that is going to be renewed. Now, in another economic sleight of hand, the bill phases in universal pre-K, which would not become truly universal until the program's fourth year. Uh, that way they can claim it cost a lot less than what it actually is going to cost. Now, this is a well-established gimmick using long-term savings to pay for short-term spending that masks the costs of the program that are plainly intended to be permanent. And uh, that's according to Gordon Gray, Director of Fiscal Policy at the American Action Forum. So the CBO estimates without these budget gimmicks, the Build Back Better Act would increase the deficit by $3 trillion over the 2022 to 2031 time period. The cost of the tax, of the child tax credit alone would increase 863%, and rolling back the state and local tax uh, limitations would go from raising $15 billion in revenue to costing $245 billion. So the Build Back Better Act would create in new national debt for every single American household. How would the bill's signature measure, universal pre-K and child care subsidies, affect American families? That's a big question. A lot of people are are not quite understanding. The Democrats are lying about it and the Republicans, I don't think, have a good handle on it, so their messaging hasn't been great. But the Build Back Bupkist Act would raise the cost of child care while offering nothing to parents who want to stay at home and raise their own children. Parents were three times more likely to favor having one or both of the parents provide child care, you know, raise their own kids, according to an Institute for Family Studies at the Waitley Institute, uh, a survey done by YouGov. The Build Back Bupka Act does nothing to advance the interest of Americans who want their children raised by family, not by strangers. One of the most widely publicized features of the Build Back Bupka Act is universal pre-K. Preschool is free for children ages 3 and 4 with an Obamacare-style roster of sliding-scale subsidies for children through age 5 providing the children are not enrolled in kindergarten, and their parents are engaged in a qualified activity, you know, like going to work or looking for work, and have less than $1 million in assets. So the program is truly universal. U.S. taxpayer-funded benefits are offered without regard to the immigration status of the individual, or uh, of the child, or of the parents of the individual, The program is phased in over four years, limited to 100% of the state median income in 2022, with this increase to 115% and 130% in the next two years after that, before opening to all Americans in 2025 under the bill's terms. One, taxpayers would pay the full uh, child care cost of anyone who earns less than 75% of their state's medium income. The child, cost, well, two, the child care cost of those who earn between 75% and 100% of the state's medium income would be capped at no more than 2% of their income. And three, the child care cost of those who earn between 100% and 125% of their state's medium income would be capped at no more than 4% of their income, and uh, after that, uh, child care costs are capped at 7% for everyone else. Meaning, you're only going to have to pay so much, and you don't actually have to start paying for it unless you make 75% or more annually with the average annual income for people who live in your state are it would cost an estimated $390 billion in the bill as written. So given its funding cap and the high cost of child care in some areas, a couple making $343,600 in Washington, D.C. would receive $30,300 in child care subsidies for two children. Now, would the Build Back Better Act increase child care costs? which is something that I have actually said recently. And the answer to that question is absolutely. The Build Back Better Act forces nearly all lead teachers to have no less than a bachelor's degree in early childhood education or a similar field within six years of the time that the BBB becomes law. In return, the bill requires childcare facilities to pay workers living wages, at least equivalent to wages for elementary school educators with similar credentials and experience. Now, as Ryan Bourne over at the Cato Institute said, quote, The average childcare worker nationally has currently paid $25,460 annually against $60,660 60, $60, for the average elementary school teacher. So, in other words, the elementary educators earn 138% more money. As such, the bill will reduce the number of child care workers and drive up child care costs, which will be mostly borne by, you guessed it, you, the U.S. taxpayer. The salary hike alone will increase child care costs by $13,082 a year, according to the left-leaning People's Policy Project. The bill also disadvantages religious daycare providers, uh, has Uh, No real interest in providing uh, positives for these religious uh, child care. Now, there's more to get into, but I am out of time for this hour. So uh, let's revisit the remainder of this uh, on our next broadcast when we get together. So for now, I'm going to have to uh, bring things to an end. Thank you so much for being here. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, guys, stay safe out there. Uh, Stay healthy if you can. And, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. I'm out for now.